Our passage of scripture that comes to us from the Old Testament prophets is a continuation of the passage that we heard Walter Brueggemann read and preach on last Sunday, which reminds me, I want to ask your help for something. Please make sure that when Joe Phelps returns that he knows that together we are fully aware that he asked this rookie clergy person to preach the week after the world's greatest living biblical prophet. (laughs) I appreciate your lowered sermonic expectations. One thing he did say last week that I fell in love with is something that I am going to repeat now as we turn our attention to our passage, Amos 8, and it's this. Listen up. This is what God showed me. A basket of summer fruit. God said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. And then the Holy One said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, says God. The dead bodies shall be many cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this. You that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Holy One has sworn by the pride of Jacob. Surely I will never forget their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account and everyone mourn who lives in it and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? On that day, says God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on all loins and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says God. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Holy One. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Holy One, but they shall not find it. Even this passage, we say together that this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a passage of scripture. Now, in order to soften the intensity of that moment, I need you to help me play a game. It took the 930 service a little bit to catch up to it. You all are looking a little bit more alive and alert. And I did have to ban Mark Sanders from the sanctuary because he cheated. 
Who's been watching the $100,000 pyramid? Okay, a few of you. That's good. It's, it's not the 1970s version. They've updated it a little bit, but not too much. You still start out at the beginning of the show with the pairs at their tables, giving clues back and forth, trying to guess the word. And then the winner in that session goes on to the other side of the studio into the winner's circle. Are you remembering? Okay, so the person who gives the clue is sitting there on their hands so that their charades don't give away the answer. And the person with their back to the categories has to listen to the clues and figure out what the main overarching category is. So we're going to play a round of the $100,000 pyramid. And I'm serious. I need you to talk and call out the answers. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the clues and you tell me the category. Organic produce at Rainbow Blossom. New Age Medicine, Essential Oils, and Aromatherapy. Close, not hipster obsessions. We're getting closer. Holistic, yes. Who's the winner? Who said it? All right. All right, we hit a couple come out. I was going to have to go down eventually to a word in the sermon title. I didn't get there. Things that are holistic. Holistic approaches to life are all abuzz these days. Mental health therapy, medical treatment plans, and spiritual praxis are contemporary hotbeds for holistic gurus. But this integrated approach to life, as a matter of fact, is not new. It is ancient. Perhaps even something that old biblical prophets knew a thing or two about. In fact... If Amos were going to give the clues, maybe he would start with the well-intentioned spiritual life. Things that are holistic. Because it's a dire situation in Israel at the time of Amos. Israel is living large. The rulers are elite. The business dealers rich and the women beautiful. Amos comes up from the south to deliver a word to the north to those who have forgotten about their covenant with a loving God. His sermon to the people is threefold, and at each point the drama enhances. It begins with the metaphor of summer fruit. Don't think our contemporary summer fruit Go back to this agrarian society. It is not fresh blueberries plucked from Brian's farm or strawberries from Huber's. It is the summer heat fruit. It is rotten. It is mushy. And so instead, I invite you to imagine those fruit flies that are hovering around the melting oranges on my kitchen counter right now. It's certainly not a glorious image for the people of God. And then Amos moves to a socioeconomic point of disparity. In this ancient climate of depravity for the poor, the ones who have little choice and even fewer resources, Amos reveals a market scam with those balanced scales. As they're buying their fruit in the marketplace, the scales have been weighted unjustly so that the consumer is paying more than what the product is worth. And so in this way, the image of the rich climbing an economic ladder at the expense of the weak paints a bleak picture of their success. 
And if that's not enough, finally, Amos triumphs his argument with a comparison to natural disaster. Earthquakes and floods, we know, are no good. Hunger and thirst in this ancient world usher in death. So whether it is fire or famine, the fact remains Israel's time of lavish is drawing to an eye. Now, I could list for us equally dramatic contemporary examples of powerful elites silencing minority groups, but I don't think you need me to do that. We are a smart, savvy, educated people who mostly exercise our right to vote, who can make our own comparisons to this season of Israel's history. Plus, I really want you to like me, and I really like you all. So we're not going to go there. So then what do we glean when we hear that Israel's festivals will turn to funerals and their praise songs to dirges? Why rehash this dramatic text? What is the message that if Amos were here in this sanctuary with us this morning, what would he prophesy? There is a Oxford theology professor who asks of his students on the first day of class, with what is theology concerned? What is theology? God, some students declare. Religion, others proclaim. Spiritual things, shout the less orthodox. No, wrong, wrong again, the professor responds. Christian theology, he explains is concerned about everything. Everything. Good theology completely breaks down the dualism between the sacred and the secular. It disrupts the dichotomy of good and evil, and it situates God in the midst of everyday life. And life, we know, includes everything. The good, the bad the beautiful, the ugly, the sacred, the profane. I wonder if you are familiar with this notion of God moving and existing beyond our holy places. These Israelites who are living in the era of luxury on the backs of the poor have forgotten this about God. And their theological understandings are not infiltrating all of their life. And so Amos unveils that they are adrift in a famine of missing God's voice. He comes to remind them that they need saving. It is a reality that has been clouded by their wealth. The Israelites had stopped listening, and so they had stopped asking, what must we do to be saved? I have completed two weeks of work here at Highland Baptist Church. I have been spending a bulk of my time away from my desk and at Highland Coffee or eating too many hot ham and cheese sandwiches at Stevens and Stevens conversing with the young adults. Our conversations go something like this. First, each of them speaks quite naturally and fondly of their love of Emily Hull McGee. What a gem and touch point she is to this whole church. I hear you missing her. 
And it is a blessing to enter this robust and full ministry that she and you began together. And then the young adults share their assessment and hopes for the young adult ministry. All good and thoughtful points stemming from a place of hospitality. The generosity of this group is absolutely blowing my mind. And then finally, as we get around to the other part of my job, mission, community engagement, social justice, each person I have met says quite directly, Lauren, we hope you will help us figure out what it is we need to do next. What must we do? We are ready to serve. It's as if the young adults have been reading Amos's mind. Not only are the young adults ready to engage their community, they do it with a spiritually holistic approach. It's one of the things that young adults know how to do really well, as I'm sure that you have experienced as a larger church. You have heard them asking of you this question, what are we going to do next? They ask it with a holistic mindset because young adults get theological integration. They value the importance of mind, body, spirit, interconnectivity. And here's one of the reasons I think that's true. The Internet, the World Wide Web, has never not been a part of our lives. We grew up after the Holocaust in a post-communism and Watergate political era and during the fear-ridden climate of the war on terror sparked by September 11th. So we have learned to question authority and challenge top-down leadership. In an age when many churches are pushing a doctrine of exclusivity, we millennials have learned to celebrate an unconventional God who encourages us to push boundaries reverently. So our holistic spirituality loves ritual. Not ritual for the sake of ritual, but ritual when it includes everyone, even those people way out to the farthest pieces of the margins. We find comfort in asking the questions that have no answers. In those ineffable moments of truth-seeking, the mystery of God comes to life for us. When we don't have all of the answers and we are free to say as much and even more questions are compounding, that's where we see compassion and God's call to each of us to help celebrate and build beauty We love this holistic mentality. Yet, and I hear Amos agreeing, holistic spirituality does not ignore our complicity in the brokenness of creation nor the poverty of God's people. If church or any religious expression does not positively impact our work week, our relationships, everything, then we question its purpose. And rightly so. So millennials naturally ask with theological depth across the smorgasbord of life, even while playing Pokemon Go on their iPhones, probably right now, (laughs) what must we do? It is Amos' indirect question to the Israelites. It is your question to me and my question to God on behalf of all of us. A solution 
to the famine of not hearing God's voice is our answer. A way to expand the presence of God in the world out beyond the walls of the sanctuary and into the systems that keep people silenced. The systems that we learned about last week. Highland, you are a lovely church because we are a church that together listens for the voice of God and asks what to do. It's not just the young people asking this question. And yet here's a tough reality. Good listening is hard work. Chaplains and therapists and social workers and clergy know this well. Deep listening takes great courage because we cannot control the message that gets reported. We cannot control who God uses to speak up next. What we hear might even change our daily patterns or invoke us to governmental policy changes. To continually be about the business of listening for the voice of God to stop this famine which Amos preaches means that God's voice will be heard in ignored areas through disenfranchised people. And I see you. I see you, Highland Baptist Church, already listening with courage. I see you listening to those voices which are most colored and poor. Those voices which break us out of the monotony of our routine and beckon God back into all areas of life. I see you listening. I see you listening to the voices that interrupt power with liberation. I see you listening in ways that reveal that full mind-body-spirit integration, even as it is a struggle both personally and systemically. I see you listening while checking out at Trader Joe's or while reading a goodnight story to your grandkids, while singing karaoke or drinking libations at Molly Malone's. I see you listening even in your casual conversations out here in the commons. In church, your listening, your love, it is contagious. It's why I applied to work here, and it's on account of your courage. That even in the midst of tough realities that are unfolding almost weekly now in our world, just a few days ago, the most recent tragedy in Nice, France, on account of growing prejudices like hate toward our Muslim neighbors, I hear you as an entire congregation through your courageous listening ask, what do we do now? What must we do to be saved? Do we march? Do we plant a community garden? Do we sponsor a refugee family? Do we host another workshop on human trafficking? Do we offer a street yoga class every Tuesday at 7? Do we join another cause and fight, fight, fight? There is a famine of epic proportions. Oh, God, what do we do? And God says, and Amos says, shh. Listen up, people of privilege. Don't run scattered on a whim. Listen to these narratives unfolding around you and hold them close. Let them change you. Keep being courageous. 
and trust that the voice of God will invite a clear, unified response. Church, you are not a basket of rotten fruit. You are an empowered, well-equipped body who is listening and expecting God to respond through you and through your church. And so I close with this. Young adults, keep showing us the path to true engagement, to holistic spirituality. Adults, keep modeling for us that bold courage. Older adults, keep showing us and helping us to be patient. And children, keep showing us your joy. And together, this family, our our courageous, holistic, spiritual family, will hear what it is we must do. And like the Israelites, we too, all of us, will be free and saved. Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, empower us to hear your voice that is this famine of injustice and that the abundance of terror around us might end quickly. Thank you for your challenge of peace and hospitality and active compassion. Continue inviting us into holistic spirituality as we courageously try to be a people who believes that indeed you are everywhere impacting everything. Amen.